You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Well, I'm going to have uh, my friend JB come up. Come on up, JB. Um, as I said, like I said last week, we are going to do things a little differently this, this week. He and I... Uh, frequently have breakfast together, mostly breakfast. I think we kind of did brunch once, but uh, we hit it off, like right off, right off the bat when, uh, when I first started attending, well, when I was hired to be your pastor and attended Meadowbrook, uh, JB and I met, and I said, I want to get together with you, and he's like, yeah, I want to do the same. So uh, that's been an ongoing thing. And uh, last, was it a week and a half ago, I think? We were, we were having breakfast and at, uh, at, at this place in you know, downtown, and I just, it just dawned on me. I thought, J.B., I, th- I, think, I think Meadowbrook would benefit if we continue this conversation on a Sunday morning uh, for, for everyone else to just kind of listen in and, and uh, kind of hear, hear your heart, hear my heart as we wrestle through things. That, that's just crazy. So I'm going to pray. And then we'll just get started, if that's okay. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this morning. We ask that you would bless it, that you bless our time together, that you would bless this conversation that JB and I are going to have, but one that's going to be grounded on the scriptures. Uh, That is our heart. And we ask that you be glorified and that we be helped. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're visiting with us, uh, in case you haven't, uh, you know, in case you don't know, I'm Keith, the, the lead pastor at Meadowbrook, uh, were I originally from just outside of Philadelphia, um, grew up uh, in South Jersey, and then uh, spent, when I was 12, moved to the other side of the Delaware, just outside of Philadelphia, and then moved to Colorado when I was 30 to pastor a church, and then came here just, two, uh, just shy of two years ago. But uh, what I wanted to share with you and I have not shared a whole lot of my my past uh, w- with you on, the, on when it comes to race or ethnicity. Is that I was first introduced to the N word uh, by my grandfather, and uh, racism ran it ran through my family, and um, and I grew up with that. My my mother and my father were appalled. By racism, but uh, but uh, grandparents who who were shaped by a culture that that uh, was repulsive, and so this this is close to to my heart. And uh, like like so many of my pastor friends out there, with COVID nineteen and and now what's happening in our nation. Uh, both politically and then the, ra- the the racial divide, the ethnic divide in our in our nation. It just, yeah, I, I, I just, but the the question that just racks my brain is, what can I say? What can I do? How should I respond as a pastor? And so as, we were, as you and I were sitting down talking, it's just I think this is one way we can respond. So what I want to do is I just want to share some things, and then we're gonna then we're gonna talk about. Some, some points. This is unscripted, by the way, so it's not like JB and I planned this out, <laughs> uh, which makes me a little nervous about myself, because I 
usually, I'm used to having an outline and, and having everything uh, you know, planned out. But here are some thoughts that I just want to share with you as, as we think together how we as a church can respond to uh, just our, our ethnicity and the, the plurality of ethnic, ethnic groups that fill our nation. Uh, I titled this conversation A Time to Listen. I think it's one of the things that we don't do very well is listen. Uh, so as I was just thinking through some, some things, I just just thinking about our history. It was 1619 when the first group of African slaves arrived onto our onto our shores. An estimated 16 million African slaves died during the transatlantic slave trade, probably more than that. On September 22nd, 1862, President Lincoln issued the, um, the Emancipation of Proclamation, uh, which declared slavery to be illegal. That didn't end slavery right away, but that was an important moment in our history. The first steps towards uh, official segregation came in the form of what was known as Black Codes. These were laws passed throughout the South starting around 1865. Uh, and then after that, the first steps towards official segregation came in the form, you know, I, well, came in the form of black codes, uh, but se you had segregation come on, uh, come on the scene through the Supreme Court. You had a Jim Crow laws uh, that, uh, you know, we could trace those, I guess, as early as 1915, probably even before that. And on, and then you had the rise of Martin Luther King Jr. And he wasn't the only one who spoke against segregation, but but he was obviously the most prominent voice. What's interesting about that is that the the move to speak against segregation came from the church, not from politics, but from the church. And uh, and, and the move to end slavery came from the church, not from government. The church, historically, when it came to the injustices of, of, of our world, came, it, it, the church was the voice you know, behind that. But then when, 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 in, but at the same time, the church was silent in ways that the church should not have been silent. You had, you had Christians on both, both sides. Uh, you know, uh, you, William Wilberforce is best. Is you know, he wanted to go into the ministry? Uh, he confided in his mentor John Newton, and uh, he said, "I want to go into ministry." And John Newton said, "No, you'll do. You will serve the kingdom better if you stay in Parliament and you speak on God's behalf against you know slavery." And for years and years and years, he pressed against that. So, that, so, so you have Martin Luther King Jr., who was born 1929, uh, and as you know, died in 1968 by assassination. Led the civil rights movement from 1955 to his death. Uh, he led the march on Washington, where he delivered the famous I Have a Dream speech, which I've listened to probably 20 times. Um, probably one of the best speeches in, I think, American history. He... Uh, when he, he, he delivered that speech, and then he delivered another message. You can find these on YouTube. You do, the, 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 the speech uh, titled, I've Been to the Mountaintop, which, um, how many of you have heard that? 
If you haven't, go to YouTube, listen to it. It was prophetic. And then he was assassinated the next day. Uh, that is all in our past that's not too distant. Right? That is in our recent past. Listen, here, here's, somebody said this, and, and I, I had not thought about it until I heard this statement, and I shared this with JB. We are three generations removed from when it was legal for white men and women to own slaves. Only three generations. And uh, segregation legally ended in 1964, and four years later, King was assassinated. Um, and so that's, that's our past. And we're still, the wounds are still bleeding. We're still, still oozing. Um, I was, when I, when I decided that Royma, my wife, and I were, were getting serious, I wanted to introduce her to my family. I can't tell you how anxious and nervous I was to have, and she's Asian, to, to, to introduce her to my, my grandfather, who was a bigot, um, which was in, is in my past. And so, anyway, I want to just open it up for a conversation. And yeah, I just want to say when uh, Martin Luther King died, I was eight years old <clears throat> when he was uh, killed. And as a kid, I looked at it on TV. Um, that makes me right about 60 right now. <laughs> I wasn't born yet. <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> but I remember it, and uh, I didn't see it as a white man killing a black man, because uh, I was too young to, uh, register, to register that in my head. I looked at it as as uh, evil men uh, killing someone that seemed to be wanting something good to break through. So when I saw that, I didn't understand it. And then when I saw uh, the Kennedys get killed, which uh, they are white men, I I, I just, I didn't understand that either. I just saw it as evil men killing people who were alive first and uh, seemingly they were trying to do the right thing. And so, and I've always carried that throughout the years. Hmm. I don't look at racism and bigotry as white against black, blacks against whites. I look at it as <clears throat> evil men uh, as time goes by. Uh, becoming more evil as as time goes by, <clears throat> and I, I see them as as uh, hellbound, um, and, and that brings a great concern to my heart when I see that. I don't have any type of hatred toward any race, and I don't know how God made me that bulletproof, but I, I just love everybody. It just doesn't it just doesn't phase me like that. I just look at, at it as evil men doing something that's not right, even if they don't kill someone. Uh, the way that they carry themselves towards someone of another race, or I don't like to use the word race, another color, and uh, to treat them uh, as though they're lower or, or uh, not you know, in the same intelligent category. I just look at them as evil men or just can't help themselves. And I, I think America has taught America 
or, or should I say American TV or Hollywood has taught America to be like that. Um, I remember seeing <clears throat> on commercials where the family that had tied, which was the uh, soap for clothes, uh, they were a full family, the husband, wife, and the kids. And then when I seen <clears throat> the black family uh, doing the same commercial, uh, it was just one child and a woman. And when I looked around, all my family was together. Uh, you know, we were all, you know, we considered ourselves a black family. And I was, I didn't understand that. I was like, what, what's going on here? And then I took it as though Hollywood uh, is teaching America to be racist. And uh, so that always bothered me, and it bothers, bothers a lot of people of color mm. when they see that. Uh, but you'd be surprised how people of color, a lot of people of color do not hate people who are white or yeah. uh, not of the same uh, cultural background. Uh, we just don't like what we see. Uh, there's a lot of things going on on TV right now that do not represent uh, the black race. Uh, they show a lot of uh, the black people who are looting and this and that and the other. And I, what I do, <clears throat> I'm a very detail-oriented person. I stop the video and I get a close-up. And these are people not uh, uh, who are black, who are uh, throwing fire into the shops, uh, cracking the windows. And I was like, wow, why aren't they showing that? It's because um, the American uh, journalists, they have an agenda. Yeah. I think to create antagonism and hate uh, among the races or, or among the colors uh, of, of people of different cultural backgrounds. <clears throat> and it's something that uh, a lot of uh, blacks detest. And, and I, I'm glad that uh, Pastor Keith, he is like a friend of mine. He's a real good friend of mine. I love the guy. Uh, I even feel the spirit of God when he walks in the room and gets ready to preach. And, uh, and so it, it, it just makes me feel good uh, that someone else sees that. Because <clears throat> when he told me uh, some of the things uh, around the dinner table or around the uh, breakfast table um, about these things, and then he had the same thoughts as I have. And I was like, wow, I didn't know. You know, I just never really, it just never really registered in my mind that people of another color actually can see that too. And and it's, it's that listening part. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, just, it's just sitting across the table and just having this deep respect for each other, the love, a love for one another uh, that, that binds us together. Can we, I want to introduce your, can you introduce your family? Can you put, um, so yeah, why don't you introduce your family? Uh, well, that's me. I, I, I looked like the, the ruler, but I'm not. That's the ruler right there. <laughs> so my wife. Yeah, I, I have a business, and I, I tell guys what to do, but then I come home, she tells me what to do. And I listen. And my, wa my, my, wife, my wife says, she, how many of you have seen my big fat Greek wedding? So, okay, some of you. So you'll, you'll know this phrase, my wife will remind me, the husband may be the head, but the woman is the neck. And that's, that's what she, 
There's truth to that. I found out making her happy makes me happy. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then I got two little rulers coming up here. <laughs> One of them just graduated, right? Yeah, she's graduated. She's going to be a pediatrician. Wow. And the youngest one is on her way, and I already got her hand out, and I tell her no every time. <laughs> so nice. I'm training her. I want to share a passage that we've talked about, um, because you, know, you can go to, my, go to my, you all know my family, but there are people on live stream who don't. Um, so, my, so our family is, I'm the whitest one in, in there. Uh, I, I, when I'm in the sun, I combust into flames. Um, <laughs> My family just gets darker, and so, so uh, all right, you can go back to that. But um, uh, I've said this before, and I, I commented to JB, I said, you know, and I said this on Sunday when I pointed out, I said, hey, look around, notice, you know, notice everybody around you, this is not what heaven's going to look like. Uh, there will be probably predominantly Asian uh, in, in heaven, and then you'll have, then you'll have, uh, those from you know predominantly Africa and also South South America, and then then like in the far corner somewhere you have this little group of white people uh, that I said because that's if you look at the the diversity of the world and just the makeup of the world that's that's you know it's reasonable to conclude that. But I, I Revelation five has been something that's been just just settling on my heart and it's just been there for for a long time. I'm going to read it for you, and if you if you have a Bible that's great. If you don't, that's, that's okay. You can just listen. But when all of heaven is celebrating, I, I ended the sermon with this last week, when all of heaven is celebrating the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, uh, they break out into song, and they say, Worthy are you to take the scroll, which is the deed of all creation, and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe right, and language, and people, and nation. So, so, so that's who he redeemed. It doesn't say that once he redeemed them, he nullified their tribe, their language, and, and their cultural heritage. Nowhere in the Bible is culture disbanded. It's celebrated. And then, but what binds us together is Jesus, and that's what brought JB and I together to, you know, for breakfast, is, is Jesus. And you were, and it goes on in verse 10, and you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And I ended last week with saying, we're all, we all wear the same color when it comes to who we are in Jesus that's red, the blood of Jesus. And we all belong to the same tribe before any other tribe, and that is the tribe of Judah, the one that Jesus belongs to. But but I woke up this morning, I shared this, I texted this to JB this morning. I said, I woke up and I really believe the Spirit of God just placed this on my heart. Because I've been guilty of saying this. I've been guilty of saying I'm colorblind. And I, and I, I felt like God rebuked me this morning. And I woke up saying, God is not colorblind. Think about that. He is not colorblind. He celebrates the diversity of the nations, and re redeems them from fallen humanity. And I thought to myself, well, if God is not colorblind, then his people certainly should not be colorblind. And for me to look at JB and say I'm colorblind ignores and discounts the rich cultural background and diversity that he brings into the room when we sit together and we enjoy breakfast together. And the same is true with me. If he looks at me and he doesn't see 
uh, if he's colorblind and he doesn't see me for my diversity and, and my cultural background, then he discounts all that I bring to the table when we sit together, uh, something that we, the two of us can celebrate together. And I asked Isaac, what do you think of that? And so, you know, but that's, uh, that, that's what I thought of when I got up this morning. So my brain is still, I mean, the, the cogs are still spinning, and my wife accuses me of not, that never stopping. I'm always, my brain is always racing and thinking. And I, then I thought about some things, and I was thinking about this last night before I went to bed, and this morning, to say that there's not a problem in our country is, is to be ignorant, right? I mean, it's there. It's in front of our faces. Um, but the problem is global, not just national. Uh, we live in a country where 13% of Americans are black. But, uh, what was it, 40-some uh, percent of those who, have, who, who are in prison are black. 47% of those exonerated from crimes were black. There's an issue. And every time, every time something, the media throws something in our face, which some of it very true, it's like peeling a scab uh, off of our, our, our neighbors, neighbors of color. It's like, it, 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 there's something wrong. Like I, I talked with a family who adopted uh, two, two black children and, and they have a white child and, and you know, he had to have a conversation with his children that when you get pulled over, make sure the police see your hands. That's the nation we live in. And it's not because 99% of the police officers are bad. 99% of them are good. But the problem of racism is kind of like COVID. You just don't know who has it right? And you're just not sure what set of beliefs somebody is bringing to the table because you don't see that stuff until they open their mouth or you see their behavior. And so the, there, there is a problem. I, I shared this with, with JB and you can interact whenever or just, just cut me off. Uh, we're both preachers, by the way. That's the other thing you don't know about JB. He's got he's, he, he, he uh, he's a minister and uh, does some preaching from time to time, right? Yeah, you come I, from a family. I've been on, of, I've been on the radio. Yeah, uh, and I, I you got a radio voice. Yeah, uh, thank you. And I, I, I don't hesitate to stand up for the things of God uh, with my guys. Uh, sometimes uh, with customers that I come into contact with that I believe God moves me to talk to, and and I found a lot of uh, a lot of soul winning like. And I do care about people. I really do. Um, you know, uh, one thing about uh, the so-called racism uh, out there, in the church, uh, it, it's a different situation. Uh, in the church, uh, people are uh, a rainbow to God. And the people in the church, they look at, uh, they look at things a lot differently. God has changed us from them from the inside. And so <clears throat> they do things uh, like the Quakers. Back in the days, they would take slaves in uh, who were uh, running from their slave owners. And uh, 
and they would give them a house to live in, food. And, and these, were, these were white people who were uh, considered Christians. You know, God has touched us in a whole different way. And so we need to uh, let that be shown out there. And I think for the most part, uh, a true born-again Christian will. You know, in Revelation uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 3, it says, And he that sat on the throne was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow around about the throne, and the sight likened to an emerald. Emerald meaning something that uh, throws out its beautiful color. And the rainbow representing God wanting different colors. You know, and I think people in the church, uh, people who are truly born again, see that. That this is something that's been acceptable by God. That God wants us to uh, not look at race, uh, or should I say color, as an obstacle, but as something that he wants. It illustrates right here that God wants different colors around his throne. Mm. And it said the rainbow uh, was around about the throne in the sight like into an emerald. And we have to shine. We have to let that shine. And, I, I, you know, like I said, uh, when I come to this church, I, I really feel good. I, I, I feel uh, that the people here are real loving. They, uh, they understand a lot of these things. My family does, too. My uh, wife, she gets a lot of growth coming here uh, at this church. Um, I, I've been accepted to uh, preach at different churches, uh, especially black churches. <clears throat> but I told my wife, I said, wherever you grow, wherever the kids can grow, that's where I want you. Hmm. Because I want to see them in heaven. I, I don't want to supersede how they feel and do what I want to do <clears throat> or what other people want me to do. I want them to grow wherever they are, and they grow in this church. And my children are, they come home with a different attitude. We have uh, nightly prayer. Um, we study the Bible together. And, um, and we come here to this, uh, what, what did you call it, 70, 80% white church? Yeah, it was mostly white. And sure. we get a lot out of it. We just love it. We love all you here. And uh, I think there's one black guy that sits in the back back yeah. here. I say, hey, what's up, brother? <laughs> what's up? So, yeah, I love this church. Um, people here. When we sat, a week and a half ago, I, we sat down and talked, because this was really raw. Everything that was happening was raw with, with the death of uh, George Floyd. And, and I, I asked you just your thoughts. Like, well, when you saw that, what did you, what did you, what, what ran through your mind? Like, what was your, what was your feeling? Well, I was angry at first, and I said, how dare he put his, his knee on a, a man's neck? You know, yeah, the guy had a history, uh, but to protect and serve is the question. Mm -hmm. And he put his knee on his neck until he died, and it looked like he had a smile on his face, and it made me very angry. And I, I, the first thing I told, told myself, this is going to touch off like a powder keg. Uh, this is going to cause a big, huge problem. But when I saw uh, people of all colors out there, I said, good. Everybody sees that it's spilling over into their neighborhoods, too. 
an untrained, uh, uh, how can I say, bad behavior coming out of bad cops. It's not, not all cops. Right. Uh, most, I think the, the, this city here is pretty good uh, when it comes down to uh, leadership and all that. Uh, but in these other cities, uh, I don't know, they get away with murder and <clears throat> they cause a lot of problems and they get excused and exonerated uh, behind it. Um, but I thought it was going to cause a powder keg in the black community. But when you look at all the rioting going on and all the protests going on, there's people of all colors out there. Everybody is sick of it. Mm -hmm. But they don't say that in uh, a lot of the um, newscasting. They don't say that. They, it's like they try to make it look like it's one group of people, and it's not. Yeah. I mean, the, the evidence is there. You see people of all colors out there marching against this thing. Uh, the wickedness has spilled over into all the communities. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was happy to see that. I said, you know, I'm glad <clears throat> that we are not on the spotlight again. Um, it's good to see that everybody is getting a conscience behind this. Everybody is seeing this as something bad that needs to be stopped. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, just, you know, I've commented, um, not only do I have some bigotry in my family background, but I have a rich, uh, a rich legacy of those in the military. Uh, my, my stepfather retired from the police force. Uh, my, uh, we have uh, friends that are coming over to our house tonight for dinner. He's one of my best friends who I think will retire. I think he's supposed to retire in three or four years. Uh, he's an Aurora, in Colorado, Aurora police detective. Um, we as a church, you know, uh, wanted to bless our first responders. And so every, every sworn in officer receives a $50 gift card to, to, to Sanford's. Uh, love, love the men and women who serve and protect in our, in our nation. But there are, there are some who are bad, right? And, right. and that's what, we're, that's what we're, we're seeing, you know, in, in the media. But again, it's just, it's like the scab that's just being torn off. Mm -hmm. And it would, it would, I think we, I, and I shared this with you, I think we in the white community have not done a very good job at listening. Mm. When, so I'll give you an example. I was thinking about this. And I'm guilty of this. So like, I'm like, I'm repenting of this uh, daily. So when I first heard the phrase, Black Lives Matter, my first response was, oh no, all, li all lives matter. And, um, and then I thought about that. I thought, and, I, and as I began, especially after George, George Floyd's death, I, I thought, so why is it that in the evangelical church, Typical of the, the typical res, that, uh, the response of all lives matter comes from white people. Um, why is it we don't have a similar response when, when we have Sanctity of Life Sunday, when, we're when, we're, when, we're, when we stand up and we say we've got we've to end the, uh, the abortion crisis in our nation, that the lives of the unborn matter? I've never heard an evangelical person say, Christian say, well, no, old people's lives matter too. Has anybody ever heard that? Or, or with the Me Too movement, with, with, with the way women have been abused by people of power, I've never heard, in my experience anyway, well, no, the, the, the lives of men matter too. 
Our responses, of course, all you know, of course, the lives of the elderly matter. So we don't even need to say, make the make that point. And of course, the the lives of uh, and dignity of men, you know, matter too. We don't feel like we need to make that point, but we need to make the point that the lives of the unborn matter because because there's a history of of abuse there and. And, and murder with the unborn. And, and now with the Me Too movement, there's a history, even in the church, of women being mistreated and taken, taken advantage of. I mean, if you don't believe that, just, you know, the worldwide porn industry is fueled by women who are sex slaves and, and, and teenage girls. Not just women and teenage girls. There are boys and men also, but predominantly women. And so so we, we, we don't feel the need to say that because it's a given that that um, it's not just the lives of the unborn that, that are important. But with the black li- when we hear the, black, oh, the phrase black lives matter, why is it that I feel the need? Why am I bothered by that? Or why was I bothered? I'm not bothered by it anymore. Why was I bothered by that? And why did I feel the need to correct it by saying all lives matter? Instead of my response being, yeah, your, your life matters. The life of my... Uh, na- the lives of my neighbors of color, they matter. And as a person who wants to champion life, I'm going to champion their life too. Right. I mean, I think uh, <clears throat> a lot of people are offended when they hear Black Lives Matter. <clears throat> but um, uh, the blatant criminal activity toward mostly black men, and it's been all in, I, I know the news doesn't tell the truth uh, in, in a lot of cases, uh, but um, they have exposed it, and they have exposed that uh, black men are, are being treated unequal a lot of times in, in different cities when it comes to uh, the black life, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. <clears throat> and I think uh, yes, all lives matter. I'm a Christian. I think different. I think all lives matter. Uh, but I think uh, to put the spotlight on Black Lives Matter uh, is a good thing, and it kind of kicked the uh, it kind of kicked the football. It got the game started, and it made people uh, see that. And then people, it made people think uh, all the criminal activity going on is actually affecting them too. And so, yes, Black lives do matter, uh, but all lives matter at the same time. And um, I think it's good, too, that people start pulling out their video cameras and their cell phones, start uh, taking videos. We're the new media. (laughs) Yeah, we're the new media. And I think without that having happened in the past few years, I don't think that we would have seen a lot of the things going on because even I was shocked because I, I, I... I, I don't I don't see a lot of it, uh, especially here in Cheyenne, um, but you know out in other cities where there's large uh, multiple uh, families and stuff, uh, it happens more. Uh, here everybody seems to pretty much get along with each other pretty good, <clears throat> but you know I've seen I've seen some racial disparity even in this town mm-hmm. uh, at times here and there. Uh, but I, I, you know, it, and it doesn't excuse uh, the fact that, yes, we need to pay attention to what's going on around us. And uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, 
I think, like I said, it's a good thing. It woke up the, the nation. It woke the nation up. Um, but then we need to regroup and we need to look at everybody. Uh, this criminal disparity going on right now in some of the police departments in our own nation, uh, like I said, has spilled over and it's affecting everybody now. I mean, if you don't contain and train a wild dog, a wild dog it's gonna start coming after you too. Do you guys understand that? It's gonna come out and try to get anybody. Uh, I've seen uh, people who try to train a dog and it's wild <clears throat> and they don't train it and pretty soon they get bit. They get bit too, yeah. so. Yeah, there's, you know, and, and I, I gotta bring this to, I knew this would go by really fast, at least for us, I don't know about you guys, but um, I wish we had more time. Uh, but I, I know on, on some level, just from our conversation, you've been touched by just the way maybe some people look at you um, because of the, the color of your skin, not as Martin Luther King would say, the content of your character. Yeah, there's been times where <clears throat> I've done a bit over the phone. I sound a little sleepy because I, no, I haven't had that much sleep. <laughs> but uh, I, I've gotten over the phone and people say, you sound white on the phone. And so when I call the customer <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> what sounds white, I don't know. But that's what they say sometimes. So I get on the phone and I get the job and then I, I go to the person and they see what, uh, what color I am and they began sometime to back off and then they start calling around more <laughs> where some of my white counterpart uh, contractors uh, they just get hired right on the spot you know and they've done lousy work <clears throat> I've seen some of the work is lousy no one's a hundred no one's what do you, 100%. What do, you do I do concrete yeah just so you know if anybody yeah. needs any concrete work done he does good work I'm tired <laughs> <laughs> okay never mind um, I, get a, I get a lot of that because nobody wants to do concrete, so I never run out of work. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I know, I mean, I, and I'm, I, just being here, I think I've been here long enough to know that I, I think we all are aware that there is, there's a, there is a virus in our nation. There's multiple viruses, right? You've got COVID-19. Why was everybody so scared of COVID-19? So I'm seeing the fear starting to recede a little bit because more of you are here but why are, why are people why are people afraid of COVID-19 one you didn't know we didn't know a whole lot about it and two we were told that it was super crazy uh, not only deadly but also contagious right but you can't see it so you don't so there there's you could have it for two weeks without knowing that you have it and give it to a bunch of people while you have it without any being, without having symptoms that's what we were told at the very beginning of this thing and, and I think the same is true with, and I already mentioned this, with, with racism. It's kind of this virus that's under the surface. It's there. It's still around. It's still here because we're fallen human beings. And we have a way of, and I'm not just talking about racism towards people of color. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just cross the board. We have a way of devaluing and demeaning human life because of our fallenness. And we, I did a whole sermon series on who am I, Right? And I think it was the second to the last sermon in that series, I talked about how our, our world will take uh, a person's physical body and their personhood and create a dichotomy between the two that you're not of any value unless you're able to contribute to society. When God says, 
you're of value because you're created in the image of God regardless of your skin color, social class, or whatever, right? And so that's what we see in the Bible. And, and just to drop this up, I wish I had more time. Uh, Galatians chapter uh, 3, verse 28 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Right? Talking about ethnicity. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is uh, no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are all Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Well, what, is that, what, what is a passage like that saying? It's saying that regardless of our background, what brings the people of God together is Jesus Christ. Period. And, uh, and, and that's something to be celebrated. So if God is not colorblind, we should not be colorblind. I should look at my neighbor and, 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 and see something that's to be celebrated. Here's a human being created in the image of God who brings a... a, a, a a, diver, a level of diversity and, and cultural background into the room wherever he or she finds him or herself, and we should celebrate that. And in the church, we celebrate that. Um, we should celebrate that. And then, and then, uh, uh, if uh, uh, what is it? If, if God celebrates ethnic diversity, we should too. And if and here's what I want to end with. If, we genuinely, if we're genuinely going to love one another, if we're going to love one another, you know what that means? We've got to listen to one another instead of opening up our big mouths. Right? Like, and don't call the police. Yeah. <laughs> like my mentor said, I sent this out in the e-letter, he said, uh, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, to listen more and talk less. And it would do us well if instead of saying, when somebody comes into the room or when we hear Black Lives Matter, instead of opening up our big mouths, well, all lives matter, we should respond, well, tell me, tell me about your past. Let me hear, let me hear share your life with me. I want, I want to hear more. And to empathize with them. You know, I, I showed this with the staff. If we all came into the room and one of the staff said, you'll never believe this, somebody broke into my house and murdered my dog, uh, I would not be a very good friend if I said, well, that's one less dog in the world, or, or you should have owned a cat. You know, what about the lives of cats or, or, or rabbits? Like, like, we wouldn't do that. We'd listen, and we'd say, you know, tell me more, and, and we'd pray with that person, and we would empathize with that person. The church needs to do a better job empathizing with those who, who have been wounded and have been beat up. I heard another story, I don't want, uh, you know, of a pastor who... Uh, who I know, who they adopted two children of color, and they have two children who are biological children who are white. And walking into a Target, it's the children of color who are kind of looked at after more closely by, by the staff as opposed to his white children. There's a problem. And if that problem's ever going to be fixed, it needs, it needs to start with the church, where we stand up and say, no, we are created in the image of God. We all have unique value. And... Um, and, uh, and, that, and in the church, at least, we're one in Christ. That's what won my, 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 grand, my wife's grandmother over. When she was the most opposed to our relationship, and we sat down, I said, you know, we're, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, we're covered under the same blood, washed by the precious blood of Jesus, and we, we're part of the same tribe, the tribe of Judah. And then she looked at me and said, you have permission to marry my granddaughter. And I'm like, Awesome. Um, 
And one of the reasons why I went to, to Burma or Myanmar, Myanmar, our country I think still calls it Burma, but the world calls it Myanmar, um, to seek approval to marry her is because I needed to find out more about her culture. I needed to learn more about her background, about, about the rich diversity that she was going to bring into our marriage. And had I not done that, I'm not sure our marriage would have survived. Because I'm an idiot. And, and you know, I, my world was only Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and maybe a two visits to Virginia before I met my wife. My first plane trip was Far East Asia. Um, that's a whole other story. Some of you have already heard it. But anyway, uh, we got to end. We're 10 minutes after. So uh, JB's going to be around hanging out. If you guys want to, if any of you have questions or want to, you know, talk to him, pick his brain. Uh, maybe you've never met JB and you, and you, you want to. Um, so he's going to be hanging out because he has to because we have a second service. I'm going to pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to just worship you and to celebrate the gospel together. We are your people created in your image, and, uh, and as your people, we are one. And our Savior said that the world would know us by the love that we have for one another. There's a lot to be learned that the, uh, you know, that the world could, 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 if they could just see how you are able to just divide or take down walls and, and, and divisions and bring us together under the the common bond of, of Jesus. Um, so much could happen in our world. We thank you for the day that is coming where ethnic equality will be experienced. Um, maybe not on this side of eternity, but when you make all things new. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.